0: This episode is brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing The best auto detail company in Bucks County Where convenience meets luxury Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube And at MenardPremiumDetailing.com This episode is also brought to you by Shamrock Sun Your new big-ass bottle of sunscreen Delivered by subscription Check them out on Instagram And at ShamrockSun.com We made it, folks Wildcar week Let's go Here we go. Welcome back. It is episode 29 of Thoughts from the Shade. It is Wild Card week. Um, We're just off the national championship in college. We put a bow on another season in college, and we put a bow on the NFL regular season in week 18, which I said was going to be a weak week. Turns out it wasn't. You had the Cowboys with their so-called statement win. You had Big Ben's magic continuing and then you had the crazy Sunday night game with the Chargers and the Raiders but the playoff picture is set we're looking forward to Eagles Bucks on Sunday let's bring in Bomb to see how he's doing this evening what's up bomb
1: we talked about peak football being that week of November and it was it was peak football but this this separates the boys from the men we got a super wild card weekend on our hands g are you ready to fucking rock
0: First time ever. Super wild card weekend. We got a Monday night playoff game. So three days of NFL playoff football coming up this weekend. Pretty exciting stuff.
1: I'm fired up. I can't wait. We're we're ready to rock.
0: Absolutely. First, let's uh I mean let, let's look back to, to Monday night and what we saw go down in Indianapolis. You had the Georgia Bulldogs. Go Georgia Bulldogs. Kirby Smart and the boys raised up, rose up, however you want to say it. They got it done, thirty-three to eighteen over Saban and the Tide in Indy Monday night to win their first Natty since nineteen eighty. Um, just quickly here, bomb. Any takeaways on, on the season, uh, on the championship game? Um, hit, hit us with with what you got.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, obviously the juxtaposition of a championship. And uh, and Lucas Oil Stadium. I mean, I looked at the quarterback play during that game, and that was the best quarterback play that a home team in Indianapolis saw in a while on that field. So we also saw Andrew Luck in an RG3 pregame. Andrew Luck looks um, uh, totally like uh, decimated from a physical standpoint. Um, So it was great to see a, a Colts quarterback who doesn't have football as a top priority show up in a meaningful game that's that hasn't happened this year
0: wow i mean i i just wanted to make a comment about the field itself i mean that that turf at whatever it is lucas oil it, it was hideous hideous and it hurt the eyes it was a tough watch honestly
1: they they like yeah they, they they spray over the big horseshoe at midfield i mean it looked like a different shade of green they had a hideous that That college football playoff logo is disgusting. It looks like it's like, what is that? It's just like a gold, like two-dimensional football. It looks terrible.
0: I mean, you, you could put anything on that field and it would look terrible. It was just, you're so excited to watch the Natty and the spectacle we always talk about. And, you know, the first look at the field and the end zones painted. That field looked like complete shit. It was horrible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it certainly didn't look like the Rose Bowl. I mean, you look at a Rose Bowl game and you got the big, beautiful, bright colors out at midfield. You got the wonderfully painted end zone. And instead, what do you get over on at Lucas Oil on the turf? Just looks like shit.
0: Yeah, it looked horrible. But honestly, I thought it was a pretty good game. And, and we were due for one with, with how poor the, the semifinals were. Um, really low scoring first half. Not not a lot going on. Uh, obviously, had the Jameson-Williams. Uh snapped leg, bum knee, whatever you want to call it. Tough to see that kid go down. Uh, certainly a difference maker there. Um, and then you got to the second half and things changed. Things went off. You had, you had Bennett throwing shots down the field. You had him throwing balls straight up into the air controversially. You had Bryce Young tossing some picks. A lot of scores. Got exciting. Alabama had their chance at the end of the game to go down a, a, and tie it. Didn't happen and, and the dogs came out on top,
1: yeah, I mean, there were in my mind, there were four to five game changing plays. jameson william Williams is one of them. I mean, forget about just him not being available for the rest of the game. I mean, I think if he doesn't tear his ACL during that catch, I think that's a house call. like he was he was cutting, and he just went down. um, so that that was that was game changing play number one. I think Uh, the pass that that Bryce Young had to his tight end at the goal line, the guy clanked off his hands and um, it was during a miscommunication with the the Georgia backers and then the next play their outside linebacker sacked Young and then they had to settle for a field goal so Bama couldn't punch it into the end zone. You know, the third play that stood out as a game-changing play was the Bennett fumble and the reason I say that is that was a game-changing play because I feel like it almost settled him down. Like, I felt like for so much of the game, we saw him jittery, right? He scrambled early in the game and dropped the ball. Um, he handed the ball off with the goal line and 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 basically muffed the snap. And then there's this obviously controversial play where the the throw, you know, whatever, however you want to look at it, I'm not going to legislate that here on this podcast, but It's ruled a fumble, Alabama recovers, and um, a huge, huge play for Alabama, and I feel like it almost settled him down. He comes back the next drive, goes three for three, takes a deep ball shot after the offsides, and it was almost like he was playing the early part of the game so tentatively trying to avoid a big mistake because that's what happened in the SEC title game, and that's what's happened to Georgia in all the big games against Bama. And when he finally had the big mistake, it's like he almost just said, fuck it. You know what? I'm just going to fucking sling this thing. And, you know, it was great to see. Great to see a kid like that bounce back from some adversity. And uh, obviously great to see Georgia get a get a dub and knock off the tide.
0: For sure. No, that that's a pretty solid recap you got there, Bob. But I think about the Bennett fumble play and how they bounce back like you talked about. Like when I saw that play happen and then, you know, they reviewed it for however many minutes and ruled that it was a fumble. Alabama recovered. They had the short field. They punched it in. Like when I always say that Georgia never wins the big game and, you know, Saban's got smarts number and, and this and that, like that was the moment, like that was the moment where I was like, this is where Georgia, you know, the wheels come off for them every time in these big games, like, and I'm surprised that it happened that late and they were able to respond because usually, you know, in these big games, you don't see Georgia get, like, blown the hell out by any means. But you can kind of, like, sense, like, there's an early turnover or something doesn't go their way kind of early, and and then the wheels fall off, and and they're never really back in. Now, this was, like, what, the third or fourth quarter? It was definitely the second half. Yeah. And this play happens. Bama goes in. They've got the lead, and you're just kind of waiting. You're just kind of, like... That's it. Like this game's over. But lo and behold, Bennett came back next drive, threw two bombs, one for a touchdown. It was a great catch. Um, just, I mean, they earned it because they they bucked they bucked the trend of not beating Bama. They bucked the trend of you know folding in the face of adversity, and and they they earned the natty. So so good for them.
1: Yeah, and I'll also add, like you know, Georgia obviously won won the game. But and and Bennett, I thought had a even though he looked shaky, I thought by the end of the game, when you take the whole everything into account, I thought he had a nice game. But man, the offensive coordinator Munkin did him no favors. I felt like at various points in the game, Georgia was pounding the rock. They obviously got got the big uh, the big the big 60 plus yard run. But it, it felt like they were trying to get too cute. They they ripped off two two ten plus yards two ten plus yard runs at one point at the beginning of a drive, and the third play was like a flea flicker. They ran a double reverse where, you know, the best play Bennett probably made all night was was fucking blowing up a an Alabama defender that was so far in the backfield he damn near picked the double reverse off. Like damn near pick. I mean the play calling i thought left a lot to be desired in the red zone and and also just overall i mean and those are the those are two of the bigger bigger plays that stood out to me where you're watching the game you're having a beer and obviously you're on georgia and you see them start to run the ball it's like all right let's let's establish this let's 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 get into this running rhythm and maybe let's take a deep shot later on but they're running gadget plays like it's you know the 2002 Andy Reid Philadelphia Eagles
0: I thought the same thing about the play calling. When they came out in the second half, and like you said, we were on Georgia. I gave it out last week. You saw it Monday night before the game. Thank you very much. Uh, but you see them rip off a couple big runs to start the second half, and then they, they went right away from it and killed a drive. So I was thinking the same thing on the play calling. And then on the Bama side, I was completely shocked at the end of the first half. I mean, you talked about, you know, these teams kind of playing it safe and not wanting to make the mistake. And I think even Herbie said it on the broadcast, but the end of the first half, Alabama had Georgia pinned in their own end with under two minutes left. Bama had all three timeouts. And I think Georgia was just happy to kind of run it and, and, and punt it. And Saban didn't, didn't call the timeouts.
1: That was they, shocking.
0: I, I was shocked. They could have got the ball back around midfield, you know, minute minute 15 left Uh, You know, the clock stops when they move the chains in college. It's plenty of time. You have the Heisman winning quarterback and you're not burning your timeouts. That was so bizarre.
1: I'm pretty sure the first down run took place somewhere in between 120 and 130. So they ran the ball and picked up, what, three or four on first down. And initially I thought to myself, oh, Saban wants to make sure the second down run doesn't go for 10 or 15 and inadvertently give Georgia 50 seconds to operate, may- maybe hit a couple throws and run the field goal kicker out there. I can almost buy that. Then the second down run occurs and, you know, it's stuffed up. And he's not taking the timeout. I mean, we were we were texting. It was it was worse than anything. I mean, normally Andy Reid doesn't have timeouts at the end of a half, but it was worse than any Andy Reid clock management. I mean, here you are at that point in the game, obviously a field goal battle. You have the ability to get the ball back in plus field position. Pick up a couple first downs with your fucking Heisman winning quarterback. It's not A.J. McCarron. It's not Greg McElroy back there where you're playing field position and defense. You have a fucking Heisman quarterback and you're taking it to the half. Dude, that was so bad. That, that was, you know what? That was a turning point. Now that you bring that up, that was a major, major turning point. And I was shocked when it occurred.
0: I was too. Yeah. That, that, that was a play not to lose, not a play to win kind of uh, scenario that transpired at at the end of the first half, but got to give Georgia credit. I mean, the, their defense really stepped up. They made it tough on young. They made it tough on your boy Robinson after his big game in the semis. So, I mean, that's, that's really all I got hats off to Georgia strong effort. And, uh, you know, we'll probably see see both these teams back in the in the playoff next year.
1: Well, let, let me ask you something here before we move on from college. Um, what did you think of the the level of physicality of that game? Because that was one of the hardest hitting games I've seen in a while, at least for much of the game. With bat, linebackers, I mean, there were guys getting s- stuffed in the hole. I mean, there. Like a hat on a hat, it was just like so refreshing to see. And you compare and contrast that to the the soft football that you're a fan of, and uh, and and you know everything that occurs up north. And you can't help but wonder, like, how large is that gap? How large is that gap? Two SEC teams going out there and just playing hat on a hat, man on man football. What did you think?
0: Uh, I actually found some of those hits and collisions offensive, and, and at times I, I covered my eyes because. I'm just not used to seeing that when I watch football and it's, it's scary. It's violent. Uh, some would say it's, it's too gory, but no, I, I I totally agree. It's uh, I mean, it's, it's big boys playing big boy football. It's the highest level of college football. That's why those two teams are there. I mean, these guys, they don't miss assignments. And if they miss an assignment, they still go and hit somebody anyway. And that's something that you never see in happy Valley. And, I think in the beginning of the game, I think it was Georgia early on. Even on some of the uh, like some of the early plays, they were not they were not as physical, right? So like there was little bubble screens or little runs, and they would have two guys like wrapping up the ball carrier, but then he would get another three four yards, and like I was like, this is not like Georgia. This is unlike them. This is this is like Penn State or everybody else where it takes half the team to bring a guy down. Um, So I, th- I thought that was interesting, but they re- they ramped it up after the beginning. I mean, you saw it in Bennett, you saw it in the defense. It was kind of a slow start, a little jittery start. And then they they just got after it and played dog football. I mean, but both sides did. And you said it. It's, it's something you don't see up north, man.
1: I think twelve of the last sixteen national championships have gone to the SEC. Um, I don't want to say something has to change. Because the best team is winning every year. Um, if anything, maybe some of these you know other power five conferences need to be vanquished from maybe sent to a lower division similar to what they do in soccer. I mean this is this is ridiculous. I don't there's no reason why Michigan should have even showed up uh, this year in in the CFP. I mean, as much as I didn't want to see Bama and Georgia, they're the two best teams. We got the best game, the best team won. And uh, in the middle of that game, G, um, I know I, I I highlighted something for you. In the middle of that game, there was a, an interesting promotional video posted and reposted uh, via the Big Ten Network Instagram account. Here we are in the middle of an all-SEC national championship game, and the Big Ten Network Instagram account is posting – a college football, a Big Ten college football post during an All-SEC National Championship game that highlights what they're calling as the Clifford-Dotson connection, all-time school leader at Penn State. I almost threw up. I'm watch, I'm trying to watch big boy football on ESPN and National Championship, and coming across my Instagram feed is the Clifford-Dotson connection. What are your thoughts on the Big Ten posting that in the middle of the national championship game, seven and six Penn State. What are your thoughts on Sean Clifford of the Clifford Brothers training application of McClanahan's sandwich shop uh, 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 advertising uh, uh, of a, a sixth year you know, student who's coming back and, and trying to put Penn State on the map? I mean, does this guy realize that next year's national championship is 365 days from now? Nah, he's posting the Clifford Dotson connection on his Instagram. Your thoughts?
0: I mean, that's, that's what Penn State's all about. Just pump yourself up. You're you're not you're not playing in the playoff. You're not playing on the first or second Monday night in January for, for a trophy. Uh, you're sitting at home and, and pumping shit on your Instagram and trying to put stuff out. We learned that, that Noah Kane, running back at Penn State, Hit the portal, the transfer portal today here, <laughs> Wednesday, and I'll, I'll take the uh, I'll take the words from a buddy of mine that I, that I was texting with, and he said, "Now we just need Clifford to enter the portal, and we'll be set."
1: Well, I mean, as you know, they want they want him back. I just don't understand how you don't tell that kid to kick rocks and enter the portal. But he he establishes some leadership. It's good to see that Sean Clifford. Um, is influencing young Drew Aller. Uh, I think a tweet went out that Drew Aller was sitting in the front of his uh, his class. He was uh, 10 minutes early. And uh, being an elite student athlete at Pennsylvania State University, your thoughts on Drew Aller's start in the classroom?
0: Well, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're, you're 10 minutes late. And Drew Aller was 10 minutes early, He was able to take the picture, post it to social media. It's just, it, it's kind of a bizarre thing, honestly Like, these guys are taking to social media is, is is anybody at Georgia or Alabama taking to social media about You know, getting to class? Um, no, they're playing in the games
1: And and to highlight, to highlight that point, right? Clifford's pumping his shit on IG Now you got Aller on Twitter pumping his uh, Class attendance You know Stetson Bennett, obviously, we know the story. Walk on, went to a JUCO, came back, got a scholarship, worked his way up the depth chart. Um, Listening to him talk, kind of an odd dude. Like He like, struggles to put words together. I don't know if that's a football thing or just because he's Southern. But if you noticed what he did last year, he got rid of his iPhone. Stetson Bennett, did did you know that?
0: I thought I heard him mention something in the post-game interview about how he, like, uh, unplugged or like you know, put his phone away.
1: He went to the 18th. Uh, no, he's got Verizon. He said he went to the Verizon store, handed them his iPhone, said I want to trade this in, and he picked up a flip phone. And the rationale was he doesn't have time for social media. He's gotta he's gotta focus on football and getting his studies done. And you look at that, and it's a guy who's grinding and working, and clearly his team supports him. And then you look at Sean Clifford of the Clifford Bros. training app. He ain't just on an iPhone. He ain't just on Instagram. He's got a fucking app!
0: Dude, it's so bad. Like, I I hear what you're saying. But you know what everybody else, like, you know the other side of that argument is like, we're not getting paid.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, what I'm starting to, and and it's tough, right? Because we're here pumping a pod. I'm almost contemplating just unplugging from everything. I mean, it's such a fucking waste of time. It is a royal waste of time, and everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a meme they're sending you. Wouldn't it just be great to just say, hey, sorry, my my phone doesn't accept that bullshit. Just stop texting me. Call me when you need me. I,
0: I don't disagree. Yeah. I think I think the advances in technology have led to chronic time wasting, and I might be victim number one. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't think it's the technology that's killing you. I think the number one reason is Penn State football. Then we look at the iPhone. So
0: It's, it's a slow death.
1: Yeah, that's all I had on college. I just want to get your take on the comparison of a 6th year scholar athlete at, at Pennsylvania State University and compare and contrast that with a national champion walk-on.
0: Yeah, there's one guy that's pumping a brand, and – pumping his socials and all the things we touched on. And then there's another guy that's actually focused on doing it and not telling everybody about it. That's the problem. The problem is everybody wants to tell everybody how great they are and what they're doing. And, oh, look, I threw this pass against Michigan State in the snow and we lost that game anyway. We went seven to five and then we lost the bowl game. They, they, they don't share that part. Just It's it's the social media. It's a, It's a fucking joke.
1: Remember the first game of the year when he handed Holly Rowe a branded T-shirt with his Sean Clifford logo that looked like a 22nd century USC logo. SC looked like something the fucking Sports Center would give out. ESPN, here's our. He gave a he gave Holly Rowe on the sideline a fucking blue T-shirt with a bedazzled like SC logo Sean Clifford. And that was the that was the big story. Well, you know, NIL, these guys have logos now. How the fuck did that work out? You got Spencer Rattler, a bum, who was kicked out of OU. Now he's got to transfer and enter the portal. He had a logo, too. Sean Clifford's got a logo. Every fucking bum's got a logo.
0: I, I think it's just, it's it's an equation. The guys that are spending time on logos and social, they ain't winning. The guys that are unplugged and... Not telling you how great they are. They're they're telling you how great they are by how they play and the dates of the year that they're fucking playing Monday night in January.
1: It's like what Devontae Adams said. You you heard what he said about uh about guys guys putting dr- guys putting fucking fancy drills up on Instagram. He goes, I'm not doing drills during a game. I'm running routes.
0: <laughs> That's classic, man. Well, it was a good college season. We'll look forward to the next, but for now, we gotta we gotta talk NFL. It's all NFL from here on out in uh, in this football season. We got about a month of it left, and we're starting off a wild card weekend. But I mentioned at the top, you know, you had the the Eagles, Cowboys, and that nonsense. You had Big Ben and the Magic. You had the crazy end to something like football, and the Raiders getting in. What I failed to mention at the top of the show was the Jacksonville Jaguars put a beat down on the Indianapolis Colts to bring the Colts playoff hopes to an end. And bomb, I'll just give you the floor.
1: I don't even know where to begin. I mean, first of all, I just want to I just want to pat ourselves on the back here. We were the only pod talking about. Jacksonville and Indianapolis, we were the only pod that mentioned the possibility of an outright upset, laughing at the fact that uh, laughing at the fact that they were like a 14 and a half, 15 point point uh, uh, favorite. And I just want to point out and and look, if you guys want a dedicated episode where we perform the autopsy on I I figured out his nickname now that we know his nickname. Deuce. They call him Deuce in the locker room. Well, he dropped the fucking Deuce at midfield on Sunday. So if you guys want a full series, I mean, we could do something like uh, some of these murder mystery podcasts where we do an autopsy on Wentz in the Colts season. I could fucking do that all day long. But I want to I want to mention something. This is this is a startling, startling statistic. This past Sunday in a must-win game. Playoffs on the line. It was the first time the Colts have lost as a favorite of 14 and a half or more points since 1968. What game was that, folks? Well, in 1968, the Baltimore Colts were 18 point favorites over Joe Namath and the Jets in Super Bowl 3. At the Orange Bowl, and they lost 16-7. to The Colts, as a franchise, literally, this is the worst upset in history since Joe Namath and the Jets. And that's, I mean, that, that's all you need to know about Deuce. Can't say I was
0: shocked really can't say i was shocked but it was just funny i mean i wasn't plugged in on sunday for for the games birds played saturday night i mean not that that was anything to be plugged in for but i was out and about a little bit and in and out of the house checking the scroll at the bottom given it it wasn't televised and i think you saw seven three and ten three and you were just waiting for the Colts to kind of come back, and they just never did. You got to five minutes left in the fourth, and you're like, wow, it's really over.
1: I mean, you know the statistic QBR. You know, 100 QBR is perfect play. 50 QBR is average quarterback play. His QBR was 4.4. 4. It was the lowest QBR of his career. And a week before, you got that little pencil-headed bozo. Dan Orlovsky, who talks like a bozo, waves his hands around like a bozo, acts like he played. He fucking sucked, too. And he's over on ESPN, literally, just before the game begins, talking about how the Colts are the team best built to beat the Chiefs. He was betting on Deuce. Everyone was betting on Deuce. You know, I I don't want to drag some of the legacy media folks, but the Stiffs over at 97.5, I went through their... Twitter. They're saying, you know, this is this is in uh, late December, early January. Wentz's success this year is fascinating. People thought he had a good year. People thought this fucking guy had a good year. Because all they did, here's what they did. They looked at the fucking statistics. They looked at the number of interceptions and touchdowns and looked at the ratio. Wow, he's returned. Listen.
0: You can't see the up. fumbles.
1: Yeah, they don't see the fumbles. They don't see the tipped up passes that land in his receiver's hands. I mean, the the fumble that he had on Sunday was egregious. He tried to backhand flip it like he's Derek Jeter in the fucking Oakland Coliseum, trying to throw out Jeremy Giambi at home plate as he's getting dragged down by a 300-pound lineman. That's what this fucking guy is doing in a must-win game. And then he's got a fucking he's got a fucking tight end. He's got Mo Alley Cox up the sideline. He's got a back in the flat. Nobody on him. All he's got to do is put a little touch on the ball. He's never put touch on the ball. That's why Alshon Jeffrey couldn't stand the guy. Because Alshon was a back shoulder guy. Throw it up. Instead, Wentz mashes the X button on the controller. It's a fucking bullet pass right to the linebacker. This guy's a fucking bum. Howie Roseman for executive of the year. He ripped them off, baby. He ripped these bastards off.
0: That's incredible. But you talked about legacy media and. ESPN and you know, there's other pundits and sports gambling experts that were out there over the summer. Carson Wentz for MVP, dark, dark, horse for MVP. It's a good value play. I mean, you had, you had, you know, the guys, I mean, dare I even say it, the, the guys over at Barstool on their little powder puff pod that they got talking about in like November, what if Carson Wentz wins MVP? Like, are you fucking kidding me? You're clearly not watching anything to, to be saying that at any point this season. Yeah, it's a fucking joke,
1: people. People, when is the when is the apology going to occur for Doug Peterson? Right, everyone's talk, Oh, he's not creative enough. He's not he's not moving Wentz around. He's not bootlegging him. Oh, the O line stinks. Oh, our receiver stinks. Everyone stinks. Do you remember how how when Doug Peterson was run out of town, people were saying? Yeah, thanks for the Super Bowl, but you weren't the brains of the operation. Frank Reich was. How does that fucking look now? Frank Reich? Frank Reich? Are you kidding me? That's the guru that led us to a Super Bowl? Stop with the Doug Slander. Wentz is a coach killer. He's a bum. He's a loser. How about the statistic on, on, uh, on the Indi- Indianapolis Colts this year? The Indianapolis Colts, who missed the playoffs, played more minutes with a lead this season than the Packers or Titans, both number one seeds in their respective conferences. The Indianapolis Colts led this season for 562 minutes. The Packers led for 521 minutes, and the Titans led for 490 minutes. Two of those teams are one seeds. The team who led, the Colts, aren't even in the playoffs. How does that happen when you have an MVP candidate at running back and and a a great run game. Well, I'll tell you how it happens. You have a quarterback who makes bad decisions, a quarterback who can't hit open receivers, a quarterback who's a me guy, a quarterback who on HBO Hard Knocks is talking about his little baby. That's how that happens. When you have a team that leads the most minutes in the NFL and you don't even make the fucking playoffs, you got to look around and you got to look at Deuce.
0: So bad. I feel I feel sorry for the Indianapolis Colts fans. They were duped. They were excited about the acquisition of of Deuce, and instead they were duped. And a nice roster that they have. Good team over there, except for the quarterback, and he yeah, was ultimately about, the, ultimately the reason they didn't get it done.
1: So that's all I got. I mean, I'll listen. If you guys want the autopsy, we'll do the autopsy. I, frankly, I still got to watch the HBO Hard Knocks series from the jump because we're, when you watch it backwards with the context of how things occurred and, and during the season, we'll, we'll be able to pick up clues. We'll be able to see exactly what happened. But I'm excited to watch that episode where, they, where, where they're preparing for Jacksonville and seeing what Deuce is up to.
0: Yeah, that sideline banter during that game should should be pretty interesting.
1: How about our boy T.Y. Hilton? I mean, he liked a tweet showing it was a meme, and they had uh, Andrew Luck, and basically the meme was some cartoon, and he's in the bed looking at the picture, and they zoom in on the picture, and it's Andrew Luck's face. So T.Y. Hilton likes that tweet. Are they going to do to T.Y. Hilton what they did to Alshon? I mean, they railroaded Alshon. Alshon's the mole. Alshon's the guy who doesn't love number 11. Are we going to do that to T.Y.?
0: We'll see, because they're already talking about on ESPN and Jeff Saturday, who's a, who's a big cold alum. He's talking about how he doesn't want Wentz back already after one year. So,
1: I mean, that's a beautiful thing. That guy snapped the ball to Peyton Manning, and he knows after like one season, this guy's a fucking bum.
0: Yeah. So something's got to give, and I I doubt it'll be Hilton. He's probably one of the most loved love players in in recent franchise history for Indy.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll see what the spin zone is. The Remember the Wentz camp? We had the Wentz camp last year. We'll see what the spin zone is. He doesn't have enough weapons. He doesn't have enough weapons. They, they weren't creative enough. They tried to run the ball too much. We'll see. We'll hear pretty quickly about the spin zone. But listen, the good news here, listen, I'm here to bring, I'm not going to be all doom and gloom like 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 the normal bomb. I'm here to bring you a little good news. This is all in God's plan, okay? the Indianapolis, The Indianapolis Colts, it wasn't in God's plan this year um seduce is going to be able to fire up the food truck head out to a middle to upper class community and hand out macaroni and cheese i mean he's just doing god's work and spreading the gospel through food so listen guys there's a silver lining in this if you're a colts fan there's a silver lining it's all in god's plan
0: unbelievable uh more importantly let's talk about the team that that deuce used to play for the philadelphia eagles they got the big game sunday nfc wild card one o'clock raymond james stadium in tampa florida taking on tom brady and the bucks Um, before we get to the game though, i would just like to to say um that Dak prescott is a complete fraud um you know for him and the cowboys to carry on the way they did on saturday night at the link against the Eagles' second, third, fourth, uh, guys off the street, practice squatters, uh, local pop Warner players. For them to carry on the way they did with the fist pumps and the yelling and the flapping, uh, it's an absolute disgrace. I mean, NFL.com wrote the next day on the homepage of their website that it was a statement win for the Cowboys. It's just (laughs) a complete joke, the love that, that that team gets and the way that they carried on on the field. I mean, you talk about Dak Prescott. This is a guy... Uh, that came back at the beginning of the season from a broken ankle, and he cried in his first game back in uh, in Dallas Stadium, or whatever the hell it's called, AT&T, like he was the only guy to ever have a fucking season-ending injury. It's a complete joke. He stinks. Um, I think they're going to probably lose to San Francisco on Sunday, and that'll be the end of that, but just a complete disgrace uh, from Dallas and Dakota. But what else would you expect?
1: Now, how do you feel? I mean, you're kind of in a no-win situation here because – if the Cowboys win, they move on. But if the Niners win, it'll be a Shanahan stroke
0: fest on national TV. How do you feel? What, where's your Where's your head at? I'll have the Kleenex and the uh, the lotion ready for Shanahan. <laughs> Fuck Jesus the Cowboys, Christ.
1: dude. That's gonna be that's gonna be an awful brug. I mean, you got Mike McCarthy who literally couldn't win with Aaron Rodgers, and then you got Shanahan who. Probably, I mean, we talked about how bad the offensive coordinator was from Georgia during that national championship game. at least they won the game. Shanahan had the worst the worst offensive coordinator performance of all time in uh, in the Super Bowl against the uh, the Patriots when they' were, when when he was with the Falcons. So I mean, look, we'll see how this goes. Um, I'm interested in that game. can't wait to see it, but we're here to talk about one game and one game only. I mean, let's talk about what's going down by the bay. Let's talk about what we're going to do against the GOAT.
0: Yeah, man. Like I said, 1 o'clock Sunday, Fox. Uh, Sounds like we're getting Buck and Aikman and Tom Rinaldi and Andrews, which is uh, an A-plus crew in my book. Wednesday night here, line sits at Tampa Bay, minus 8.5. The total is set at 46 at the moment. I'll tell you what. I came on here last week. I said if the Eagles play the Bucks, the line will probably be eight and a half, nine. Here we are. It's eight and a half. Um, what, do you, what are you keeping your eye on for this game? I mean, do the Eagles have a chance? Yeah, they got a chance.
1: Um, the line is the line. The line is right where I think it would be. Um, we talked about it last week. You know, I think if it, if it was closer, and I, and I mentioned some things last week, if it was closer to nine and a half or ten, I'd consider taking the Bucks. I think the Eagles keep this within the number. I think it's close. I think there's a potential for them to maybe steal one at the end, depending upon who gets the ball. Clearly, you don't want Brady to have the ball in his hand at the end of a playoff game. But this isn't a game where they're going to get boat raced. I'd be shocked if it was like you know a thirty or forty four thirty point thirty or forty point point performance from. Brady and, and the books. I mean, can the Eagles put up twenty eight or thirty points and win the game? I think it's possible.
0: man, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. i think I think the general feeling, the fan in you, just just solely the fan, not the gambler or the uh, analyzer you you try to talk yourself into an Eagles win all week long and we saw the line come out Sunday. It was seven some places. It's up to eight and a half. I've seen it at nine in other places. That's kind of a big number. I said last week if it was under seven, I'd think Eagles have a real shot. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I just think about Jonathan Gannon's defense and the cushion and just allowing Brady to dink and dunk all day. Um, I think about the Tampa Bay defense, they're getting healthy. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you hear early in the week is how Tampa Bay's banged up and how they have been banged up, which is true, um, you know, in the, in the latter portion of the season here. But, I mean, they're getting Shaq Barrett back. They're getting JPP back. Uh, two two good edge rushers there to go with Vita Vella and freaking Adamic and Sue. I mean, that's just a nasty front. They're getting Fournette back on offense. He's a big, big key to their offense and their run game and catching balls out of the backfield. Um, who else are they getting back? They might be getting Levante David back um, to play with, uh, what's his face, Devin White, that linebacker. Their secondaries intact with Winfield, um, Whitehead, and Murphy, Bunning. I forget who the last corner is, but, like, all those guys that they dominated the Chiefs with in the Super Bowl last year, it sounds like they're all going to play. And you just said it. But you,
1: you just said it. You're falling. In, you're telling me I'm falling into the fandom trap. Here's what you're doing. You're reminiscing on last year's Super Bowl. What you're thinking is the 2021, 2022 Tampa Bay Bucks are
0: last year's Bucks. They're not. AB I,
1: fucking quit. He's gone. He
0: had enough. I get it, but that's a team that's been there and done it. And this is a coach and a quarterback that we have making their first playoff appearance they're going on the road they just got in by the skin of their teeth because they had a very light schedule and i'm not saying that i didn't enjoy it or that i wasn't rooting for them but i'm just trying to be a realist here um can the eagles do it can they stay within the number can can they have a shot to win the game absolutely they have a great offensive line they run the ball jordan howard isn't even on the injury reports i'd expect him to play um and be a factor uh the way that Hertz has kept plays alive and and really improvised on the fly, uh, that always helps uh, in games like this when you're a dog and you need you need something, you need a miracle or you need something crazy to go your way. Like that's a guy to have on your side. But it's also still his first playoff game, so. You
1: I think mean, they need a miracle to win the game?
0: I'm not saying a miracle, but to beat a team that is better than you, you need like a bounce or something weird to happen.
1: I don't know. Dude, this is the NFL. These games, these playoff games are won in the trenches. The Eagles had every single starting O-lineman, aside from Kelsey, deactivated last week. And the only reason why Kelsey was active was to keep his active active streak alive at, like, you know, however many games that was. So, I mean, these guys are going to be well-rested. They're going to be hungry. They're going to be pissed off about what happened earlier in the season. It's tough to beat the same team twice. Um, I think you gotta, you know, you gotta hope that big play slay and Nelson hold up and you gotta change the scheme. That's my biggest worry. You nailed it, right? Like does Gannon, does Gannon play this baby shit soft kind of coverage and just allow Brady to pick you apart and you just die by a thousand paper cuts. I mean, if they could play a little press, if they can get up on Gronk and and jam him up and jam up, uh great uh, i'd imagine the the bucks are going to try to go a little heavier with uh, some two tight end stuff and and obviously they're getting uh Fournette back i mean uh ab's gone so how does their offense evolve here in in the playoffs um i think i think they're gonna have to eagles are gonna have to man up and if their front four can get some pressure i agree with you maybe 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 there is a bounce maybe there's a strip sack maybe there's a You know what I mean? A a sack that that flips field position. All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would call that a bounce. I'd call that a guy in the trenches making a play.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, if the Eagles are going to have a chance in this game, uh, Tom Brady's uniform is going to take some dirt. Yep.
1: Totally agree. Um, But I'm not this isn't a game where I where I'm like, oh, no, like I'll tell you the game that would scare me. And I'd say there's no chance would be going to Green Bay. This isn't that game. That game's next week.
0: Yeah, and that's not really the picture that I'm trying to paint. But I'm just—you you, got to be real here. This is no walk in the park. I mean, we're not—we're not playing McVay and Stafford, the fraud Rams that can't even get a first down against San Francisco when they needed to ice that game. Uh, you're not—you're not playing against your boy Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals or, or Dakota. I mean, you're playing against the goat, man.
1: Yeah, but I think here's here's kind of the wild card factor. Here is first year NFL head coach, first year for all intents and purposes starter. Right, Hertz. Like these guys have been, you know, really, you know, from from the fan and the media perspective, what occurred early on in the year. Like nobody gave these guys a chance. You know, Sirianni was laughed at in his first press conference. Hertz was seen as a stopgap guy. And here they are, and they made the fucking playoffs. They led this team to the playoffs, and these guys are playing with house money, and it's almost like they're they're too new to even realize the situation they're in. Like I don't I don't think Sirianni's scared of Tom Brady. I don't think Jalen Hurts is scared of Tom Brady. I think Jalen Hurts is a guy that's played in the biggest programs under the brightest lights in the biggest moments. He's failed. He's gotten pulled at halftime. He's gone into games when he's been needed because the quarterback ahead of him gets injured. This is a guy that's seen everything, done everything in the biggest moment, experienced failure, experienced success, one at the highest levels. And now he's going up against Tom Brady. And I think he's the kind of guy just with his mindset, his mentality coupled with Sirianni being like kind of a quirky guy um, who I think looks inward more than outward looks inward more on like what the team can control more than like who they're facing. I mean, they're two guys when coupled together who I think are like almost too clueless to even think they don't have a chance. And I think that goes in the Eagles favor this week.
0: I think that's valid. I, th- I think that's super valid. I think, I think bottom line for me, it's, it's going to be, you said it. I think you got to man up. You got to bring some pressure. You got to bring more than the front four. Cause uh, not Dallas. Tampa Bay is a good, good offensive line and you got to get pressure on Brady. So, I mean, let's let's live with giving up the big play. Why not? Because you know he's going to dink and dunk if you play, if you play soft and you only rush four and you get no pressure. And then on the other then on the other side of the ball, I mean, it's all about the ground game. It's all about the O line getting Howard going. Sanders, I don't know if he's going to play. You, you know, I prefer if he I didn't. Hope
1: not. Yeah, yeah, don't even put him on the flight.
0: But. Get Howard going, get Scott going, O line, you know, grind them down. Um, look for some some creative runs with Hurts and, and a little read option and misdirection and counter, stuff like that. Um, and he's going to have to make a couple throws. So I think you say it's all about the trenches. The Eagles got to push them back when they run and they got to protect Hurts so he can stand back there and throw a couple dimes to, to Smith and Goddard. Um, I don't know if I'd say I want to win a shootout, but, or want to be in a shootout, but on defense, they have to take risks.
1: I think the other, the other, uh, wild card here is their kick, their kicking game is, uh,
0: I mean, it has been
1: cash this year. I mean, do you need to trot him out there at the end? I mean, remember, this is down in Tampa, warm weather, ball going to fly a little bit. I mean, in a coin flip scenario where, You're in a tie game or you're down by two or one or whatever, whatever the case may be. You might be able to trot this guy out there at 60 and say, go win us the ball game. I mean, you know, it's little kind of edges like that. The fact that they're healthy, the fact that you got a quarterback and a coach who frankly don't know where they're at and probably are a bit too naive to realize like the opportunity. I don't know, man. I mean, not saying they win the game. I think they keep it within the number. I told you if it got to like eight, nine, ten points, I'd bet on Tampa last week. I'm taking the Eagles in the fucking points, dude.
0: Wow. Can we bring a guy on the plane uh, that saw some time last week as as like a fourth string running back and as a stand in punt returner? That Huntley. I want to say got... his first name's Jason, but he's got some pop. Like
1: he can got we put more, him he's a got punt
0: returner. More
1: ju- more ju- juice than uh, than Sanders. He's got more. More balls than Rager on 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 the 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 kick return. I mean, can we leave Jalen Rager at at home? I mean, like like bring the bring that guy.
0: That's what I'm saying. Just just for the punt return. I mean, maybe throw him in for Sanders too. Why not? Um, I can't say I'm ready to pick the game honestly. We'll ha- we we'll, ha- we'll have it. A- What's that?
1: Are you kidding? What do you mean you can't pick the game? I mean, we we watch both of these teams all year long. We've gambled on every fucking game. And you're telling me here on Wednesday, coming through the speakers on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever our fans are listening to it, you can't pick the game? Come on, man.
0: Oh, man. Well, you know what the issue is, right? Like, I think the box is the right side. I do, and I don't think it's because they, they, they steamroll or blow out the birds. I think they might win by, like, 10. Or so they'll... if they
1: win by 10, let's go through the scores. I mean, do you think the Bucks put up 38 points?
0: I, I don't think that's that far-fetched.
1: So you think they could score over 31?
0: Yeah, I think they could. I don't. Th- I'm not. I, I don't think they will. The total's 46, and they're giving the Eagles what? They're laying eight and a half.
1: Eight and a half. I think the Eagles put up a minimum of 24, three touchdowns and a field goal. Minimum.
0: Wow. I don't know. I I, I I'm sitting here Wednesday evening, and I, I I don't have it, man. I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm on the box or that I'm on the birds. It, it, it's gonna come to me saturday or sunday and that's gonna be it but i'm gonna be rooting for the birds
1: well i mean i would hope but like i just don't understand like is mother Teresa gonna come down and like you know give you the pick in your ear like what are we waiting here for like you know the players you know what's gonna get in. like i don't understand this whole like we're gonna wait like and reveal to make the damn pick
0: (laughs) all right give me the birds and the points
1: oh can I change my pick? No, I'm just kidding. Wow, Man, I've been good
0: with NFL. No, I, I think I think eight and a half's a lot. It's uh, it's it's a weird number, you know. And and whenever they give you these weird numbers, you know, like the football numbers are what three, seven, ten, fourteen, like you know all, all those numbers with the scores. Whenever they give you like an eight or a nine, like watch wow, something early in this game is gonna happen, like a safety or a missed extra point or something along those lines that gets this lined up. Like, if it if it ends up being on eight or on nine, whatever it is, like, something funky always happens in the game so that the spread is fallen right on the number. You yeah. ever notice that? The
1: Eagles are, like, score a touchdown, get right down the field with, like, their first drive and, like, go for two or something.
0: You know what I mean? And it'll either exactly. be eight
1: or six, and you'll just be like, what the fuck? You're, like, trying to do the math. And you're like, I don't even know what's gonna happen here. I mean, are the Bucks gonna go for two? Are they gonna miss it that? Like, it just gets all fucked up early, and you can never
0: catch up. Yeah. So keep an eye for that. But no, I'll I'll take the birds. I'll take the points. I've talked myself into it through through this pod, through this episode. Um, you you look at Tampa Bay. I mean, they blew out Carolina last week, but they're they're not really in a place right now where they're they're blowing the doors off everybody, and. I think you made a good point about Hertz and Sirianni kind of being a little hot head, head in the clouds in this situation, like not too phased by the moment. And then you got, you got the vets on, on on the O line and D line in the trenches that are going to battle.
1: Yeah. I think that's it too. Like Fletcher Cox, like he hasn't really shown a high motor this year in, in certain instances, but this is the playoffs. I mean, if you, if you don't think 91 is going to get after it and try to, Try to shove it to Brady. I mean, this is gonna be a beautiful thing. I mean, if the Philadelphia Eagles are able to knock this guy off, I mean, it's like basically the Eagles and Eli are like Brady's kryptonite in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, we would be the latter half of Brady's career kryptonite.
1: And it's just a shame it's in the same we're in the same conference as him because I would have loved to have seen that in like the man in the arena. You know what I mean? We're never gonna be able to get another Eagles. Brady man in the arena episode unless he goes to the AFC.
0: Wow. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully whatever goes down Sunday would be worth being on the man in the arena.
1: I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I think there's 200 to 300 people, at least as of recording, who are making the trip through the fans of Philly. I've considered it. You know what I mean? I've considered it. You know, if 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 if, if work was a little bit more, you know, if I was able to get some time on both sides of the weekend, man, what a trip. You get out of this cold weather, head down there, play a little golf, watch Jaylen and the boys shake it up down at Raymond James. Let's get a dub.
0: I'm just hoping that in the fourth quarter on Sunday afternoon, the Eagles are in it and, and you can see the fear of God in the eyes of Tom Brady.
1: Oh, there's 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 no better feeling, especially as the clock's like melting away. I get a little scared whenever there's like too much time and he's like looking around and he's got the he's got the the tablet and he's talking to his I'm like, Oh God, what's he cooking up? You know, because you know there's a call coming, some fucking bullshit personal foul. You know, he's identified something where he's going to fall into a lineman who's at his feet, and he got clipped, and, oh, it's a low hit, throw the flag.
0: It's always something with that guy. He's he's never dead, that's for sure. But looking forward to it, man. I mean, didn't think at the beginning of this season we'd be talking about a playoff game in January, but here we are, so let's fucking cherish it and give it hell.
1: Don't speak for both of us. I believe Baum, Baum was talking about the playoffs at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, because, again, no, I don't want to bring it back to deuce in 11, but no team, no team in the NFL has upgraded their quarterback room more than the Philadelphia Eagles. So just, you know, when, you, when we think about Hurts and when he comes out on the first drive and completes his first pass, and then he completes his second pass, and this will be on the first drive of the game. At that point, at at the at the exact moment that Jalen Hurts completes his second pass on the first drive of the game, Jalen Hurts will have exceeded the career total of Deuce in terms of playoff completions. He's he's been in the NFL for six years, <laughs> he's got one completion in the playoffs. <laughs>
0: I'll leave it at that. You got anything else on the birds?
1: Let's get a fucking win.
0: Let's go, man. Um, yeah, we got two games Saturday, three Sunday, one Monday night. Um, we'll have the picks posted to the Instagram. We'll, we'll pick and choose a couple. I, I'd like to. I'd like to give one out on on the pod for <laughs> the listeners. I want to get. The, I want to get the people going a little bit. Um, you know, before we post these Saturday or Sunday or as they come, but. I'm looking at Sunday night. I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers. At the Kansas City Chiefs. 8 15. NBC. You probably get Michaels and Collinsworth, the Sunday night crew. The Chiefs are laying 12 and a half. Chiefs minus 12 and a half. And here you got Big Ben. They thought he was dead. They thought he was done. He's limping into the playoffs. He's limping into arrowhead. Am I nuts to think that the Pittsburgh Steelers have a chance to win that game?
1: I'm looking at the money line. It's plus 510. Chiefs minus 770. Crazy things have happened, dude. I mean, Pittsburgh's defense gets a pick six or they get a kick return or something. They call, you know what I mean? Like Mahomes is not some unflappable guy. Like he makes some odd decisions at times. I don't think that's crazy. Would I would I put my entire nut on the Steelers' money line? No, I'd probably take the points and maybe sprinkle a little on the money line, knowing that they very well could lose by three touchdowns. But I don't think that's crazy at all.
0: Well, just he- hear me out. So you-, you got Big Ben midweek here. This was his quote. As a group, you understand that we probably aren't supposed to be here. We're probably not a very good football team. Out of 14 teams... I." Excuse me. Out of 14 teams I think are in, we're probably number 14. We don't have a chance, so let's just go in and have fun. So, I mean, they're going to be loose as a goose. How's money? You have T.J. Watt, who's probably the best defensive player in the NFL. They have Minka Fitzpatrick, who's one of the elite defensive backs in the NFL. Um, And then I look at the Chiefs. Chiefs have been there recently. They've been doing it their season. They got the experience. But you know what? So does Big Ben. So does Tomlin. Um, and I think the Chiefs have a few injuries along the offensive line, which would not bode well for them at all. Um, you saw what happened in the Super Bowl last year. Tyree Hill is banged up. Edwards Alaire is banged up. Darryl Williams is banged up. I just I, I, just think it's way too many points for a playoff game against Mike Tomlin and and whatever's left of fucking Big Ben, whatever's still standing. But I, I don't know, man. I feel like everybody's like auto-betting Chiefs and think that they should run away with it. And yeah, Pittsburgh hasn't looked great all year, but Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I don't think – have they ever had a losing season under Tomlin? The guy's just Never. unbelievable. Never, But these teams that sneak in, man, people say they're not supposed to be there. I mean, that's that's bulletin board material. And I don't know what the status of Najee Harris is. And But I don't. I mean, know. as
1: of as of December and I don't have the update from this past game, they were. Well, I guess they were a dog. They were a dog in Baltimore. They're a three point dog in Baltimore.
0: Yep. I was on Baltimore.
1: They won out, right? Let me get, let me give you this stat. Uh, Fourteen seasons as Pittsburgh head coach Mike Tomlin, forty-one, twenty-three and two against the spread as an underdog, as a road underdog, which is what's going to happen here at Arrowhead. He's twenty-nine, nineteen and one against the spread, and twenty-three and twenty-six straight up.
0: Yeah, I think the Steelers are a live dog, man. I I really do. I I it's weird. It might be dumb. They could get blown out. But their defense, their front is strong. They could get some pressure on Mahomes. And you've you've seen how like discombobulated the Chiefs have looked at times this year, man. Like if they can just quiet that crowd a little bit and instill a little seed of doubt into in Mahomes and Andy, you never know. So I, I I I love the points, and if I'm if I'm feeling frisky come Sunday night and I got a little extra cash in the account, I'll be firing on the money line.
1: I like that, and I I got one, I got a special one for you here. Um, and I'll give you my analysis here. It's it'll be quick, it'll be brief. It's not gonna be quite as in depth as your analysis here with the Steelers and the Chiefs. I'm looking at Monday night, and I'm gonna uh, entitle this game. Uh, the Wild Card Fraud Fest. It's the Cardinals and the Rams. It's uh, 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 Kingsbury and McVeigh.
0: No free ads, but uh, brought to you by Capital One.
1: Brought to you by Capital One, Fraud Fest. It's the first ever Fraud Fest Bowl. Um, The Cardinals are a uh, four-point underdog at L.A. Um, You know, I look at this game. I look at the logos. You know, you don't even really need to understand statistics to make this this wager. Here's what you do. You go on your sportsbook app. And if it's anything like mine, you see the logos and these fucking bullshit soft logos that these that these teams have. Think about their uniforms. Think about their uniforms on that that fake LA turf. Okay. Think about their offenses. Think about the, the two guys dialing up plays. Uh, you know, pretty boy Kingsbury and McVeigh, who like, he just looks like a guy who might have Crohn's disease. Um, And I look at that and I think about the turf and I think about the logos and I think about the quarterbacks and I think about the coaches and I think about the play calling and I'm looking at the number and it's 49 and a half. And I say, fucking take the under these two teams. Ain't going to click two fucking moron head coaches. They're going to be off by a half step. The ball's just behind the receiver, just ahead of the receiver. Two choke artists to quarterback. I mean, the Cardinals were undefeated for how long? They're on a fucking road game in the wild card round. That's a joke. You got a fraud Stafford. Take the fucking under. This might be like a 21-20 game. It might, you know what I mean? Like these these teams stink. Um, Everyone and their mother is going to be on the over. So why not take the under?
0: I love that, man. Great call. Primetime Monday night, too. Everyone's going to be looking for a bailout. Oh, it's Stafford and Murray. It's going to uh-huh. be a shootout. Uh huh. Hammer the under, folks. Hammer sure. the under. I like it. I'll be on it with you. Anything else to get to? I just want to wish everybody a
1: happy wildcard weekend. It's been a long year. We've dealt with. COVID, we've dealt with Delta, Omicron, Omicron, whatever the hell you want to call it. We've gotten through a really lackluster bowl season on the college side. It's been an extended NFL year. This is the first year with 18 weeks. We're finally here and just cherish it. You know, we talked about Thanksgiving. I want everybody here to cherish it. You know, it's it's this. This is what we have going. Got wild card week, divisional week, then we head off to the conference championships. We got a bye in the Super Bowl. And then, you know, spend some time with your significant other during Valentine's Day and then just try to crank up the gambling into March Madness. But just 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 reflect. Reflect, you know, if you have to if you if you have to say a prayer, say a prayer. And uh, this is it. Cherish it, man. You know, like Andy Reid said, you know, like about winning a game, you know, man, it's tough to win the NFL. You know, enjoy the win. All I got to say is I don't want to say enjoy the win. Enjoy the games.
0: Well said, man. Well said. Another week in the books. Looking forward to all the games this weekend, all the action. We will be back next week to talk about it. Not sure if we'll still be talking about another Eagles game. But let's hope. And we'll cheer them on. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if If you're feeling so inclined, throw us a rating on Spotify or Apple. Don't forget to subscribe. And just remember what Bob said. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next week.